0: What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. This is episode 49 of the program for Tuesday, January the 19th, 2021. However you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the podcast. If you are someone who only likes to listen to the audio, you can listen on any of your sort of podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it. Also including in moneypodcast.com. If you head on over to the website, you can find this show. You can find all the other shows that In The Money Media has to offer, including the flagship show, the player's podcast, including Talk Racing to Me with Naomi Tucker, including JK Plus One with JK, Jonathan Kinchin, including the Red Board Rewind with Spencer Lugenbuehl, something that we will discuss momentarily. Nice little thing going on next week with myself and Spencer. Much, much more. Available over on moneypodcast.com. If you enjoy watching along with the podcast over on YouTube, all you need to do is search bar Matt Bernier Show. You get this episode along with the 48 prior. Before we get into what's coming up on this week's show, uh, something looking forward to next week, episode 50. Bit of a landmark, I guess. A bit of a milestone for this little shindig here. Um, it's going to be a joint show between the Matt Bernier Show And the Redboard Rewind with Spencer Luganbuehl. So I will be the guest on his portion of the show going over some stakes action from Gulfstream Park coming up this weekend, the Pegasus World Cup and the undercard races. And then he will be the guest for the Friday feature on my portion of the show. So we will chop things up a little bit. It'll be nice to kind of do a little bit of a a tandem piece there. So look forward to that next week, the Matt Bernier show combined with the Redboard Rewind with Spencer Luganbuehl. So That's what's on deck next week. This week, though, we will have the return, the first three-time returning guest. It's not going to be the Friday feature, though. Howard Kravitz is on a roll as far as our little contest is concerned. And the Friday feature, for those of you unaware, we usually go over a race. If you want to be involved and and be featured and and be sort of the, basically the handicapper for the segment, you need to leave your selection beneath the video player on YouTube. If you're right, I'll contact you the whole night. Well, there isn't going to be one this week because going into the Pegasus next week, or excuse me, this coming weekend, and knowing that I will be doing that show with Spencer next week, I didn't want to have somebody win and then put it off for two weeks. I know I've done it in the past and I'm sure it'll come up again, but I felt like this was a unique circumstance and Howard, who is on just an absolute tear right now, I thought it was a good opportunity to do two things. We're going to look at the late pick four at Gulfstream Park on Friday. So it is still, in a sense, the call it the Friday feature, uh, but it is four races as opposed to one. We are each going to give a pick and one other horse. So basically two horses. They may overlap. They may be entirely separate, but the gist is going to be, we'll go through that pick four sequence. We'll do it down and dirty, rapid fire, a couple of horses each. And we'll put together some sort of a ticket. And I, the way that I've always thought about these sort of things, whether it's been with TVG in the past or when I was with the RF or with, with any number of places, giving out tickets, I'd rather not give out something that's massive. I get a little uncomfortable with that for a couple reasons. One, I, I then get into the, the mind frame of being sort of conscious of how much I'm putting into any given s- sequence. But also, I, I'm i aware of the different thresholds that that different people have. Some people can afford a lot more than others can, but that doesn't mean that the people with the smaller budgets don't want to get involved. So this is actually going to be one of the larger, potentially, anyway. If you go uh, four by four, effectively, I think that comes out to like $128 for a pick-four play. I could be wrong. Let me do some quick math. And that's, that's still even high for my taste. Uh, but having said that, I think it is... If we approach it the same way that I've suggested in the past, it is it's 128 dollars for a 50 cent bet. I use this as sort of a template. Throw out the four horses that Howard and I give you. Do whatever you want with them. You're the one putting in whatever bet you're going to make. Don't ever just blindly be betting other people's picks. I think that's just the most. I think A, it's it's kind of irresponsible because what are you doing at that point? You should be, you know, I. It's gambling, I understand that, but you need to have some sort of an informed opinion of your own, not just what other people tell you to do. And B, how fun is that? I've never understood, is, is that is that enjoyable to just like read someone else's picks and just blindly bet what they're doing? That I never really thought that was the gist of what we were doing. I thought the whole sort of push behind it was we can all kind of riff, we can go back and forth, bounce ideas off one another, and you know what, I may hate the idea that you have, but I'm going to listen to it. Because that at least gives me a better idea of potentially what some other people might be thinking of that same horse. And vice versa, you may hate what I have to say. Maybe at least it gives you a little bit more of an inkling as to what some people may be looking at as far as uh, a certain horse is concerned or certain angles are concerned. And conversely, something I may suggest or you may suggest to me, I may love and say, I screwed that up and missed it entirely. I got to include that horse. I think these sort of things are nice as building blocks. And you can decide going forward what pieces of it you like, what pieces you don't like, and form your own sort of way of doing things. So while this could potentially be, and I don't know, uh, we haven't chatted with Howard just yet, 4 by 4 by 4 by 4 comes out to $256 for a single. If you did it for the 50 cent base, it's 128 bucks. If we have some overlap, that number could certainly come down. And if you want to blindly just play that ticket, go right ahead. Heck, I might do it. I'm going to be down there for the Pegasus this weekend for NBC. I think it are on at 4.30. I don't know for certain, though. Be sure to check your whatever you want to call it, your local listings, your guide, all that other jazz. Um, you know, I might just play it or maybe I'll wait it. And I recognize some people will, will listen to this segment and go, it's not the most efficient way of putting together a wager. You should be really emphasizing your opinions. You're right. But that's not what we're doing here. This is this is supposed to be sort of a fun segment. And again, if you are going to play, you can then be the one to determine who you're going to weight a little bit more heavily than others and things like that. So that's what I'm hopeful Howard and I are going to be able to do here this afternoon with today's Friday feature. It's not going to be an individual race. It's going to be the late pick four at Gulfstream Park. The other reason I wanted to go over multiple races is because I don't know what the sequence will look like on Friday, but the Stronic 5 has a juicy carryover, almost $100,000. That is a $1 base bet. I believe it's 12% takeout. It's run through the Maryland Jockey Club, but it has all the Stronic tracks involved. Giant carryover the day leading into the Pegasus. I think it's going to be a massive pool, and I'm hopeful. I would imagine one of these four races has to be involved in it, probably toward the beginning of the sequence, but I'm hopeful anyway that maybe we're going to catch one of those legs of the Stronic 5 for this week, uh, and at least we'll have a couple horses that maybe you want to consider if you are going to play that wager. So that's going to be coming up as sort of the second piece of this entire show. The back portion is going to be the update of the $500 challenge. It has been a slow burn thus far, but I'm hopeful the final result from this past weekend is going to kind of springboard some things in the right direction. Had some hard luck. Also have had some horses that just have not picked their feet up. Uh, But again, hopefully the victory... Uh, for the final race that I went over this past weekend can kind of propel us in the right direction. We'll go over that. But before we do either of those things, we have had the first derby prep for 2021. It happened last weekend, last Saturday down at the fairgrounds, the grade three LeCompte, mile and a 16th. And this is something I want to do every week or any time there is a derby prep with points awarded every Monday or Tuesday in this case. I'm sure that'll happen again at some point. I want to go over these races knowing that these horses could very likely be, or I shouldn't say likely, but could very well be lining up in the starting gate the first Saturday in May, which, knock on wood, that's what the game plan is going to be. Uh, so, and I'm also going to do something a little bit different other than just give you the this, this straight sort of opinion of mine of the horses and the races and things like that. They give you a rating. One to five, or excuse me, one to ten. One being the worst, ten being the best. As far as what I thought of the prep. Now, I'll leave that up to interpretation of what that means. Does it mean, you know, a 10 out of 10 is the bee's knees, I love all these horses, or is a 10 out of 10 a race that could be productive specifically for the first Saturday in May? That'll probably kind of come to It'll come into focus a little bit more as time goes on. But for this first run through, I'm going to throw out a number after we go over the race. And let me know beneath the video player on YouTube what you thought of the LeComps. And give me a number, 1 through 10. If you think, and, and basically it can be whatever you want it to be. Is it you think this is going to be a race that, you know what, we're going to look back on that first Sunday in May and say, you know what, back at January 16th, that race from the fairgrounds, that was the race. That was the key race as far as this year's Kentucky Derby was concerned. Or is it going to be one of those things that you rate this race based on what you think the horses could be long-term down the road? It's entirely up to you. It's the beautiful thing about this game. You can have your own opinion. And I think we should all encourage that. So let's start with that. Race 13 last Saturday at the fairgrounds, the mile and 16th LeCompte. Mandaloon was the four to five favorite, and you can understand why. And look, I bought into him. I thought he was a visually, given the trip that he had in that first start at Keeneland, for him to overcome that, solid. I liked the way that he won at Churchill, albeit in more of a workmanlike fashion. He was not brilliant, but you hear Brad Cox and company say that this is a horse who has always felt like added grounds going to be to his benefit. And I, watching the replays, I kind of agree. I still think he is a two-turn kind of horse, and I still think he's going to end up being a pretty nice horse when it's all said and done. But as far as this race on Saturday was concerned, it more or less, and maybe this is an aggressive statement, but it was basically over when they hit the half-mile call because Joe Talamo was able to get Midnight Bourbon out to an uncontested lead going 48-4 and four for a half-mile after a 24-3 and three opening quarter. Now, these horses are it's still early these horses can turn into complete duds or they can turn into superstars it's still way too early to really know but at this point at this juncture these are some of the better three-year-olds that we have seen thus far as far as stakes caliber runners are concerned you've seen a number of these horses run in instances uh, whether they were stakes races as two-year-olds um, sprint races, stretching out for the first time, uh, taking on grade one company as Midnight Bourbon did last year. You know, so this, for better or for worse, right now, this is a pretty solid group of three year olds because we just haven't seen other three year olds running in great stakes races just yet this year for the most part. So say what you will, but when you give a horse like Midnight Bourbon who I believe, is very talented. I really liked him as a two-year-old. Some of the notes that I had on him, I thought he was going to end up being a serious three-year-old. He may still be. He may not. I don't think you... Oh, hello. Hello, Siri. How about that? Siri making a guest appearance on the pod. Um, I, I don't think you can make a definitive statement one way or the other about Midnight Bourbon based on this performance. Because of the way the race was run, there was no pace signed on. He was able to get out there. I guess the best thing you can say is that a mile and a 16th is not going to bother him when he's allowed a comfortable lead. I'm willing to admit that Mandaloon was underwhelming in this position. And it's not because he didn't win the race. It's because he lost the battle for second with Proxy. Now, Proxy looks like he could be a nice little runner for Godolphin and Mike Stidham. The concern I have is this was this was a race that was going to be difficult for him to win given the dynamics given the experience edge that a horse like midnight bourbon had on him given the tactical advantage that midnight bourbon had on proxy even with proxy sitting a length and a half off of it down the backside Uh, proxy has yet to pass a horse in route to winning his victories have come in gate to wire fashion so when i see him look like he's getting up You know, at the top of the lane, and and we all know, it's well documented, the fairgrounds has a very long stretch run. When we see him get up there and get within shouting distance of Midnight Bourbon, was it a product of Midnight Bourbon digging in, having plenty left in the tank given the early fractions and being able to kick away? Or does Proxy have a little bit of, uh, I don't want to pass you in him? Far too early to make a statement one way or the other. I think it's something to keep an eye on, though. Which then leads to the disappointment for me with Mandaloon, because yes, he was wide every step of the way. Yes, he was chasing a slow slow pace. Yes, it was his first time going two turns. All these things valid. He also appeared to put about a head in front of Proxy in deep stretch and ended up not winning that battle for second. Now, all three of them galloped out really well. I would expect them to, given the way the race was run, but... Mandaloon, I thought, should have done more than what he did. Now, if you're someone who likes sort of the progression of animals, especially at this time of year, as I am, I I really like to look for patterns and see, are you, even if you're not winning, are you continuing to improve? And I don't love to see the massive jumps. I don't like to see the 25-point jumps from one start to the next. I like to see that sort of slow and steady progression that makes me think that, you know what, we can continue to build upon this as opposed to have that dreaded bounce. And I do believe in the bounce. I know some people think it's fallacy. Maybe it is. I I think I've seen enough to believe that the bounce is legitimate. After you run an absolute bang-up race, sometimes it takes a little bit of the starch out of you. So if you want to look at it and say, man, has gone from a 75 to an 82 to an 89 buyer that he earned on Saturday afternoon, then you know what? I'm not going to argue with that. This is a nice little progression he's put together, seven points at a time. If you think you're going to get another sort of five to seven point move forward in his next start, wherever that may be, you're looking at a nice mid-90 kind of horse and in, let's call it February or March of his three-year-old year. That's a very, very solid foundation. Is it possible? For sure. I, I wanted to see a little bit more. I wanted to see him at least finish second in this race, if he was what... I thought he could be, and what many other people clearly thought he could be, he went off a four to five. Proxy, I've I've sort of laid out my reasoning for a little bit of, I just want to keep an eye on it and see if he does go and pass horses when it's all said and done. Hasn't yet, doesn't mean he can't, but hasn't yet. Midnight Bourbon, he has shown the ability to pass runners in the past. Now he has shown the ability to win in Gateswire fashion, which is a, a nice feather in his cap. It's going to look like a dramatic jump up from a figure standpoint, you know, that I was kind of just going against with Mandaloon, going from a 76 in his last start to a 91 here. But really, when you when you really kind of tear it apart, that was in October of his two year old year. We haven't seen him at the races in four months. So he had every right going from a two-year-old to a three-year-old to take that sort of step forward. And that would be the caveat. If you get that 20 to 25 point jump and it's the last start as a two-year-old in October compared to the first start as a three-year-old in February, that's totally within reason. But I don't like to see that with horses who have run a couple times in a form cycle and then you get a giant move forward. That at least gives me a little bit of cause for pause. When I look at the way they came home down the lane. They all came home uh, 30 and 4, 30 and 4, 30 and 4. You know, in the grand scheme of things, this was not a sexy performance from any one of them. I thought it was, they all did what they were supposed to do. With the way things were laid out, they all ran fine. Now, if you want to look at it from a pedigree standpoint, these horses all have seemingly the right to be fine with any kind of distance that's thrown their way. Midnight Bourbon, you take a look at some of his siblings, Pirate's Punch, who is a I would call him a miler to a mile and a sixteenth on dirt. Nice horse. Uh, won the Sal Mile last year. Gervin, who won the Haskell as a three-year-old at a mile and an eighth. He doesn't seem like a horse that would perhaps, you know, cause any kind of concern for, for stamina issues. Uh, and cocked and loaded, perhaps he would be one, but he did win going two turns as a two-year-old. So I don't think there's any kind of issue there when it comes to pedigree and distance from Midnight Bourbon. When you look at a horse like Proxy, uh, he is a sibling to Micheline. Uh, you know, she was she won the Dueling Grounds Oaks at a mile and five sixteenths on grass. I don't have any issue with that. The Honey Rider, I believe, is a mile race on turf at Gulfstream. Uh, so I, I don't see any immediate concern there. Clearly, his damn panty raid, distance wasn't an issue. American Oaks, she won the Judmont Spinster as, a, as an older horse. Um, the Black Eyed Susan, she even won. So distance, not an issue there. And when you consider the sires of these horses— you know, th- there's really not any real reason to be terribly concerned about it. I mean, Proxy is by Tappet. We already know that's not an issue. Midnight Bourbon's by Tisnow, not an issue. And you look at Mandaloon, Into Mischief, the, you know, look, just because Authentic went and won the Kentucky Derby and won the Breeders' Cup Classic doesn't mean that all of a sudden Into Mischief is, you know, the go-to for a mile and a quarter. I still think he's he's probably best as a miler to a mile and a sixteenth from a stallion standpoint. But they can certainly get out to a mile and a quarter. Um, When you look at the bottom half, oddly enough, for a Juddmont homebred, at face value, I'm not seeing a heck of a lot as far as what the family has produced. Um, Doesn't mean that he can't outrun that. Again, it's it's horse racing. It's not all about the breeding. We have seen horses outrun their pedigree many, many times over. So before I, I wrap this up, the reason I'm not talking about any of the other horses in this race, because... I kind of feel like, and this may be a, a this may be a bit of an aggressive statement, but given the speed figures that were earned, again the top three: Midnight Bourbon a ninety-one buyer, Proxy an eighty-nine, Mandaluna an eighty-nine. Uh, from fourth on down, seventy-five or less. Going back ten years, going back over the to ten most recent Kentucky Derbies, I wanted to see what the winners of those races, and I recognize there are going to be some kind of quirky pieces in this, but work with me here. How fast had these horses run at basically this same time? So the winners of the 10 most recent derbies, late January, early February, how fast did they run those races whenever they were, wherever they were, and and route to the Kentucky Derby? So authentic, again, little bit of a caveat because the derby was run in September, but the point is he ran in early January last year and earned a 90 buyer. Okay, pretty solid. Maximum security, many, many reasons. To question numbers and things like that with this horse. But point is, he still earned an 83 buyer right around this time in his three-year-old season. Justify hadn't started yet. Draw a line through him. Doesn't matter. Always dreaming. He earned an 85 buyer. Nyquist hadn't started at this point yet in his three-year-old year, year, but the last time we had seen him as a two-year-old, he won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile with an 89 buyer. So clearly had some mobility. Uh, You go to American Pharaoh, another horse that hadn't started as a three-year-old yet. Last time we had seen him was in September of his two-year-old year. year. In the front runner he earns a one-on-one buyer. California Chrome, this time is his three-year-old year, year, 88. Orb, an 83. I'll have another in February of his three-year-old year. year. So about a week, week and a half difference. Uh, He came back and earned a 96 buyer. And Animal Kingdom, in October of his two-year-old year, earned an 84. Why am I not talking about Santa or Arabian Prince, game day play, regular guy, uh, red and wild? No disrespect to anyone involved with those. It doesn't mean that the horses could not improve by leaps and bounds. But based on the 10 most recent runs of the Derby... I don't think any of those horses are nearly fast enough at this stage right now to really be considered anything other than probably also rands in, in whatever the minor races leading up to the Derby are concerned. Uh, maybe that'll change. Maybe I'll look silly. But right now, that's kind of how I'm approaching these sort of things. If I'm trying to suss out who could potentially be considered a legitimate threat for a race like the Kentucky Derby, assuming it's run the first Saturday in May, which knock on wood again, hopefully we're there. The top three all seem to fit in and among that sort of range as to what we've seen the 10 prior Derby winners do. Does that mean that that's how it's going to work out this year? No. But I think it's something to at least consider when you're going through and looking at these prep races as we lead into the first Saturday in May. All told, what did I think of the race? I thought it was fine. I gave it a 5 out of 10. Now, perhaps that's because it's the first one, but I didn't see anything that I was wowed by. But I wasn't offended by what the top three did. I thought they all ran fine. Again, Mandaloon made it clear. Thought he should have run second, but he didn't. I'm not going to hold it entirely against him. First time, two turns, the whole nine. Midnight Bourbon, I thought he ran really well, but he had everything go his way. How often is that scenario going to present itself? And Proxy, I've already made it clear. I think there is a little bit of ability here. Just want to see, can you pass horses? Until they do it, you never know. Five out of ten for me for the LeCompte. And I'll be very curious to see where those top three, what the path for them is going to be, especially for their next start. Let me know beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt what your thoughts are about the first prep on the road to the Kentucky Derby here in 2021. Now let's uh, pivot, shall we, to the Friday feature for this week. Again, it is not one individual race and there is no contest this week. It's the late pick four at Gulfstream Park with last week's winner, Howard Kravitz. He's the first three-time guest as far as this little segment is concerned. We'll go over those four races from Gulfstream Park. And again, hopefully one of them is also included in this week's Stronic 5 that's got that $100,000 carryover. So here we go. Let's throw it to the segment with Howard Kravitz talking late pick four at Gulfstream on Friday. A little bit different this week. It's not your standard Friday feature, but we are going to go and bring in our guest, the winner of last week's Friday feature, Howard Kravitz, for the third time. He is the only three-time appearing guest on this thing, simply because he's just been on fire. And Howard, I guess first things first, congratulations, welcome back. Um, But more importantly, Mad Money is in a race when we went through and we talked about it on last week's show... Looked like there was a ton of speed. Give us a little bit of an inkling. What led you to Mad Money's?
1: Well, hi, Matt. Thanks again. I appreciate being on the show. I appreciate the uh, certificate that you sent to me, the uh, (laughs) Matthew Year. First three-time Triple Crown Friday feature. You signed it down here, PTF, and JK signed it. I was hoping to get maybe a certificate from uh, Old Smoke, you know, uh, Clothes. Oh. or something you know uh, one of your sponsors or maybe uh, <laughs> uh maybe uh something for the straw night five but listen i'm gonna i'm gonna appreciate this forever i'm gonna cherish it so thank you very much
0: well i, um, I you, you should because guess what it ain't worth a heck of a lot <laughs> <But> well, played. <laughs> well played well played that's good
1: <laughs> anyway you know what I, I made the mad money's pick 24 hours uh before the race as it turned out you know i thought he said a pocket trip as it turned out i think ragtime blue is one of the speeds scratched which I don't know if that really helped me or not, but I'll tell you what did help is of the eight races that day, Matt, uh, seven of them were won at Aqueduct either on the lead or just off the lead. It was a very speed favoring inside bias kind of day. There was a big headwind in the stretch, which actually I think is a very underrated um, call of nature that people don't talk about enough because horses, especially on certain tracks going one turn, horses just can't close into a big headwind but really you got to give him credit. Um, he got, went to the lead. Um, you know, so the close just didn't quite develop. I thought um the, the 10 Melbourne Pro ran a big race, but he was four wide against the flow, against the bias. And he just did not run on and um, it just worked out. But last thing I'll say, coincidentally that empty tomb who finished second was in the race that we handicapped together. My first time on the show, when he was a maker claim at Saratoga, say the word one so that was sort of a strange uh you know coincidence there but it just worked out and you got to give credit i don't know where you go with mad Money's. i think he sort of found his friends and it seemed like just all the situation just worked out for me i mean so i was fortunate but uh you know credit to the horse and the jockey for being aggressive i like the aggressiveness for sure
0: that's the difficult thing when you have one of those horses it feels like you're in kind of a darned if you do darned if you don't position because once you clear your conditions well, now what? You're probably not good enough to take that next step up, but you don't really want to lose the horse because the horse is so good. So, you know, it, it's definitely, an I would say, an unenviable position. Uh, I believe in the past, you mentioned that you have actually owned some horses in the past.
1: Uh, no, that's, no, that was some other
0: guess. So I, I... I'm hoping
1: to. Maybe, maybe because of my Triple Crown winning, maybe I'll start getting some phone calls and some, some inquiries. But no, I do not own any horses. But I'd love to own horses at some point.
0: I didn't. I didn't know if you had mentioned that when you uh, with any of the Arlington situation. If you, uh, no, I no, I did in. not. Well, anyway, I could. I could. That's always been my sort of thought with that level of racing. And you know, we kind of chatted about it last week. The idea that they're not, you know, if I want to make the baseball analogy, they're not the major league players, but they are. They are the best of the AAA ball players, and and uh, you know you don't really want to lose a player like that because they are so talented and so gifted. But at the same time, you really can't hack it at that next level. So it'll be uh, be interesting to see where that horse specifically goes. Uh, and you got a giant price too. I Any mean, thirty plus dollars?
1: Listen, I, I I thought it'd be a price. I not think it'd be that big a price. But that was the longest shot on the board when I was on last time. Matt silenced one, and he was the longest shot on the board. And say the word one the first time when I was handicapped with the Friday feature and he was the longest shot on the board so I don't know what it is with me in this show it's just that's not why I picked that money by the way I just like some interesting things about him, and it just worked out but uh, it's just it's funny how uh, things work out and frankly I've been struggling the first like two weeks of the season and so uh, it only takes one as you know you've got that she dares the devil money going for the, for the new place probably the new digs I'm sure you have a, an extra wing there at the crib
0: I got to be honest. I I have some of these. The only three pictures that I have up over this shoulder, and you you can see them in the other segments. It's just a different angle here. Uh, we have. I'll have another. We have Orb. We have Jersey Town. Now Jersey Town doesn't really fit the bill, but the other two were Derby Futures, and they were really the only big futures that I've that I've had. It was a you know consecutive years, and I joked with my wife. I said I I have to get. I have to get She Dares the Devil up there somewhere. Now, I'm going to have to rearrange a little bit. But she definitely has earned her position on the wall of futures, if you will. So, and I'm to be honest, in, in the grand scheme of things, Jersey Town, as fun as these these are, Jersey Town is the, the crux of the whole thing. So, without him, sure. none of this is here. So, basically, he deserves his own spot. Everybody else, they all get a little minor awards. But she definitely needs get up there. I think MTV
1: used to have that show, Cribs, yeah. where they'd show, yeah. you know, we, when I mean, you get the tour of the man cave down, I know you got your sticks in the background. You, you basically, I saw a little putting green, maybe, in the first episode. You basically I, you know, he, see it.
0: So there's my golf bag. There's my little putting green. I've got a bunch of old clubs over in the corner. And other than that, I'll probably, you know what, I'll tweet out a picture of the desk view, because it's actually, I've, I've been many people won't love to hear this i've been doing i've been focusing a lot more on betting on sports than i have horse racing lately and i have my nice little i kind of like my sports book i've got my two tvs over here i've got three monitors over here so this has kind of been you know when my wife goes to bed i come down here turn on the 10 o'clock games and and watch league Pass for a few hours but um that doesn't mean that the horses are going anywhere though and speaking of speaking of the way that you laid it out, that whenever you have been on, it's just been chaos from a price standpoint, maybe that is basically indicating to anybody listening or watching that this pick four sequence that we're going to go over, just take all the long shots and maybe this thing is going to be a, a year maker for you.
1: There you go. Why not? I mean, don't, don't even bother handicapping. Just look at the, you know, look at the morning lines, which by the way, for the viewers listening and watching, we don't have right now as we're filming a Tuesday late afternoon here, um, but I'll tell you what, it wouldn't be surprising if there were some bombs that won in this sequence, especially the last race, which is a
0: complete cluster. So kind of as I laid it out in the first segment, we're going to go through this thing. Howard and I will each give out two horses. They can be the same horses. They can be different horses. If we happen to have four unique horses... You're looking at $128 play for 50 cents. I'm not telling you to go play that. You can throw out all all the horses. You can use them all. It's entirely up to you. And again, that's what the whole thing is about, you having an opinion. Listen to what other people have to say and do with that what you will. You either support it, you throw it out, you do whatever you want. But don't just blindly bet it just for the sake of blindly betting it. We're going to go through here. I don't know if these are going to be all prices. I don't know if they're going to be all favorites. I have a little bit of a mix. I'm sure Howard does as well. And let's kick things off race number seven. It's going to be the first leg of the late pick four sequence. Starter allowance going a mile and a 16th on the grass. I'm hopeful, Howard, and I mentioned this to you in the email. I'm hopeful one of these races is included in that $100,000 carryover in the Stronic 5. Unfortunately, we don't know for certain just yet. So here's to hoping. And if we're being honest, just based on geography and the way everything is laid out, the earlier races in this sequence would possibly be the ones included in that, given that you have all of the tracks running for stronic right now so this could very easily be one of the races involved in that sequence uh let's do you want to go every other or do you want to take your two and you want me to give your two uh, we can go every other is fine okay, cool so uh lead us off who's the first horse you want to use
1: so i thought first of all this first leg, and by the way i've got my buddy warfront here in the background to, to give us some good luck <laughs> who actually i saw it at claiborne it was unbelievable i petted it, it was it was amazing We've never gone to one of those farms. It's a must for, for a true horse player. But anyway, um, I thought this race was completely wide open, very difficult. I've got the sixth good, good old boy as my top pick for Gaff Leone and Maker. Very consistent figs, has no problem with the distance. Looks like he's going to stalk and pounce. So I didn't think there was a lot of speed in the race, you know, but it should be pretty fairly run. I like the fact also that even though he's coming back in only three weeks or a little less. He does have a work in between, which I do like that. And um, all this horse does is run. He's consistent. And um, I think he's just going to be a perfect spot, probably right off of the seven midday image who should set the pace.
0: So the first horse is the number six, good old boy. I will throw the number three, Rocket Joe Copper, into the mix. Uh, This is a horse who... I, you know, from a number standpoint, might be a hair on the slow side, but does have a few races that are fast enough to win. Uh, I go back to that starter allowance most recently. It was a no-hope kind of trip. The horse is 4-5 path in the first turn. Down the backside, Haramio, and this isn't anything that Haramio did wrong, but the horse just happened to be hung wide. 5-6 path down the backside. The early brush to go up there and get into contention. And Howard, I know you had mentioned we were going to try to you know, hopefully maybe roll some replays into this. I don't want to put too much on producer Craig's plate. He's got a million things going on. The good news is Gulfstream, you can find all of their races on their YouTube channel. I would encourage anybody, if you don't have an RTN subscription or something else or your ADWs, head on over to Gulfstream's YouTube channel. You can find all these replays. You know, I don't actually mind the brush that Haramio made going into the far turn simply because, look, you've already lost the ground battle. we got to try to get into contention sooner than later. And unfortunately for him, the horse is flat down the lane. I don't know if it'll translate. Maybe it just means the horse is a little bit cheap for this level. But you can't help but notice that Arad has the mount here. So I'm going to use the number three, Rocket Joe Copper. We have the six, the three. Who else do we have here, Howard?
1: So I like the eight, Yamato. Uh, very lightly raced. I should mention there is a bunch of older horses in this race. I'm not a big fan in general of using 789 year olds 7-year-olds okay, 8 and 9. They just don't win a lot unless they're really special. I love the fact that Yamato is only uh, 4, very lightly raced, improving. Sankal is a good trainer. There's no works since his last race, but I believe he's the kind of trainer that doesn't show a lot of works, and, and the works he shows are slow. He, Sia stays on. I think he's the best closer in the race, so it does heat up a little bit. I think he's going to come um, you know, from pretty far back and make a huge run. He would be my second choice in this race.
0: And the other horse I'm going to use is one of those old boys in here, but he does have a winning pedigree. That's High Noon Rider. He's the number five for Safi Joseph. The Allen Jerkins, I, I mean, to me, it's a, it's a pitch entirely. I get it. Two miles. You wanted to try something a little bit different. I, he, he was a little bit keen Keeping my two miles is two full laps around the Gulfstream turf. He was a little bit keen coming out of the second turn, which happened to be the second of four turns. And he pulled up a little bit into the run. I just didn't think it was a race that you want to put too much stock into. The run two starts back in the Claiming Crown Emerald. You've had three horses who have come back and earned buyers of 89-89 and a next-out winner with an 86. Uh, I think the form of that race is holding up relatively well. And I don't think he has to come from 100 out of it. I think he can be a little bit closer if need be. So I'll use High Noon Rider. Look, it, it's it's dangerous. We are throwing out the confirmed speed in here. A horse that is in form in the number seven midday image for Louis Carvajal and Edgar Prado, but the first leg, we are going three, five, six, and 8 for hopefully enough coverage to get us into leg number two. This is a, a fascinating race to me, Howard, because we've got five eights on grass. We've got Florida bred N1X runners, and I, I guess first things first, I will, let's go through our picks, and then if for whatever reason the elephant in the room is not discussed, we will then discuss. So who is the first horse you're going to go with?
1: Well, by the way, in the last race, I would definitely, if people can afford it, I would definitely use that seven, just because I always seem to lose pick fives when a horse waves the field, especially on turf. So hopefully that won't happen for us and the viewers, but I would probably try to use the seven if you can in the last race. Uh, this race is interesting. First of all, I will say, Matt, I know you used to feel this way. I don't know if you still do. Five furlong turf sprints, my least favorite races at all, by far, because there's really not that much of a difference between a 30-claimer and, like, a high-class allowance horse. You're talking, like, maybe a length or two. It all depends on trip and if you break. And there's just so if one little mistake and you have no chance. So I'm not a huge fan of these kind of races. But there's one thing I know about this race. The number one, Angel Sense, for Larry Ravelli, a Chicago guy like me, his numbers off layoffs are ridiculously off the charts. And he's not just done it at Arlington, which is – you know, a little bit of a cheaper track now, and depth is not there. I've seen him do it at Gulfstream. He did it earlier this week with a horse at Gulfstream on the turf. He's done it at Woodbine. Uh, Matt five for ten. Larry Rivelli with a year to a year and a half layoff, fifty percent, seventy percent in the money. That is unbelievable. This horse, uh, by the way, interesting. Look who he faced first time. He beat Fair Maiden first time out. It was a Grade One winner. Just won the LeBre she did. So I don't think you could say too many uh, um, horses in this race would beat a grade one winner. Anyway, this looks like the speed of the speed. I'm not concerned at all about the layoff. This horse just has to break. He, he puts eye right on him. He's obviously got a ton, or she, excuse me, has a ton of back bath class. That's my number one pick. Uh, you want speed in these kind of races. I'll go with Angel Sense.
0: She, she was the elephant in the room. She has been gone for a long time. But as you laid out Larry Ravelli's numbers with this move off the charts i mean i i had very similar numbers past three years sprints uh year plus layoff five for nine eight in the money with a 455 roi um you add a rad to the mix i mean this is just a horse that is very very logical she does to be fair need to break because down on the inside if she's a hair slow there's a real scenario she gets stuck in behind runners based on her two lifetime starts i have no reason to think she is going to break flat-footed Uh, But it's just at least something to at least throw out there. I also was going to use Angel Sense. She wasn't going to be my top pick necessarily, but that effectively will wipe out one of our picks for each of us. So I'll just come with the other horse that I was going to use in here. Um, You know, I kind of went back and forth between two different runners. I ultimately landed on the number seven. Miss Miami. This is going to be a first off the claim runner from Mike Maker's barn. Maker's barn over the past eight months in turf sprints first after the claim at Gulfstream. I know it's a rather specific number, and you are also including sort of the off season down at Gulfstream, not the championship meet with the air quotes. Three for seven. I know the ROI is negative; it's a 177 return on investment, but it's still small sample. But you're you're nearly batting 50%. I think there is something to that, Um, and I like the fact that this mayor has a little bit of tactical speed where you know what if for whatever reason the layoff gets to the Philly on the inside I think Miss Miami's going to be in a decent enough position and I thought it was a I'm going to call it an inoffensive performance in that most recent run I think she's at least in the picture as they turn for home
1: yeah that was that was my second choice actually I agree with everything you just said for sure
0: so there you have it. We're only going one in seven in this race. And I got to be honest, there's a part of me that actually likes that because now we're not going to have some triple digit ticket out there. We're going to have things that are a little bit narrower. And again, if you're using it, I can't stress enough. Use this as a building block. Do with it what you will. You love it, play it. You hate it, toss it out. Do whatever you want. But I like it when the numbers a little bit smaller. Man, I
1: do want to mention, I know that I've talked about replays. I know you're a big replay mm-hmm. watcher. Folks, you have to watch, if you're going to bet this pick four, the number three, Song River, the uh, December 24th race nine at Gulfstream Park. This horse broke a little bit slow, and then the horse just to the inside of him lugged out. This horse lost a good five or six lengths. I thought they were going to pull this horse up. Somehow he kept running and only lost by a few lengths. This is a complete replay special. He, you know, this horse ran a fantastic race. She did. However, I, I, I if she breaks better, she has obviously got a chance. Um, but I, I one other thing I have to ask you Matt, real quick. So this horse got a 68 buyer, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the, the next race is when Miss Miami run. She got a 66 buyer, but Song River ran a second, a little more than a second slower. So the buyer, I'm a little, I don't know. Buyer doesn't usually take ground loss into account. I didn't think. So I found that to be very strange. I don't know if you have an opinion on that or not, but they were back-to-back races, so the track variant could not have changed. Granted, Song River got a much tougher trip, and I'm sure on the rags, you know, that her number is definitely gonna be better than the seven, but any opinion on that? I found that to be interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing without going through, and I can pull up the chart real quick, but the, I, I wonder if the class level did have something to do with that. Keeping in mind that song river was running against N one X company. Meanwhile, miss Miami was in against $16,000 claimers. Um, I, to your point. I mean, look, it's very unlikely. You have a, a difference in, in variant from one race to the next. They are run 24 minutes apart, unless there was some weather that came through and things changed dramatically. Uh, it, it seems unlikely to me that things would have changed that much the one thing I will say if you are not someone who you know wants to go through and do all the chart work to take a look and see at what Howard alluded to you know effectively for those who don't know one second is like five lengths it's not a small gap a, a fifth of a second roughly equates to to a length that's that's a massive massive difference from one race to the next to have them earn the same figures I will say, Timeform US, I, I I love the buyers. I love Timeform US as well, and they have the the raw number effectively the same as well. So that's interesting. Um, so Miss
1: Miami ran fifty five point nine six, Matt, and then the race before Song River ran fifty seven point one two. That's pretty pretty significant difference there. But again, was, Song River did have at least five lengths of trouble. If you watch the video, um you folks will see that
0: so that's something to at least factor in. But yeah, the the only thing I would say is I, whenever the figures match up, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, they could both be wrong. Certainly it's happened before, but, um, it at least allays some of the fears of one being totally off the reservation. So, uh, Good as far as a little bit of a, a bomber in there. Johnny V with the Mount, too. Not a terrible thing to see there for the number three, Song River. But as far as our ticket goes, only one and seven. We move on to the third leg. This is a non-winners of one other than going six furlongs on the main track. Howard kick things off because I think this is a really interesting race, not just for today, but perhaps long-term for a division like this. You've got some you've got some interesting horses.
1: This sort of reminds me a little bit of last week's Friday feature of Mad Money's because... That race had some young up-and-comers, and and they had some old salty veterans, as you like to say. This has the same thing because, you know, Royal Squeeze and Why Are You Awesome are, what are they, nine and ten years old, but they're just game veterans. They usually run well against some really young up-and-comers, so it's an interesting dynamic there. I'm always going to lean towards the younger horses in this situation. My top pick um, is not going to be the favorite, I'm guessing, but that is the one untitled. This horse ran... Some very big races last year in tough company against Michi- uh, mischievous Alex um, was, was in stakes company. I don't think is a poly horse. The last two races he ran last year were not as impressive, although he did lose to a pretty good horse in Sheryl's yeah. fight the last time. But here's what I think, Matt. There's a lot of inside speed in this race. If this horse breaks, I, I think the last is going to sit a perfect pocket trip. I like the turn back. I think this sets up very well. If Cassie has a horse ready, I think he's a huge player, not only in this race, but I think he's got a nice future as well. So number one untitled, to sit off this fast uh, early pace is my top pick.
0: The horse that I'm going to go with the top pick, I also don't believe will be the favorite. Uh, I'm going to go to the outside with number eight, ready to answer for Rusty Arnold. You know, the career debut, I don't want to hold against the horse. First time out of the box, didn't take a ton of money. Second time out, I understand that the top three horses were effectively the three horses that were there at the wire and throughout, but the way the race was run, I thought it was really encouraging for a horse like Ready to Answer, who was down on the inside throughout, that's not a comfortable position for horses, especially inexperienced ones, to be in, and if you go back and watch the tape at about the eighth pole, it looks like is just going to go right on by and win by about a length. And I don't believe it was a matter of fastly hanging. I think it had more to do with ready-to-answer, kind of digging in a little bit down on the inside beneath Florent Giroux. You get Julian Leperoux on a board this time. And I also, you know, you always want to look for form. How is a race holding up? You know, you've got three horses, merry-go-round. Perhaps it could be a little bit of an inflated number, a little bit phony. The second and third place finishers were both next out winners. They both came back to break their maidens. One yeah. with an 82, the other on synthetic with a 77. The fourth place finisher came back and earned an 80 buyer in the next start. I think the numbers rock solid. That was the last start as a three-year-old. We've got a couple months off. There's no guarantee the horse will take to Gulfstream. But from the outside draw, I'm hoping Le Peru takes up some sort of a stalking, sort of three-wide trip rounding that far turn, and hopefully he's good enough. I'm imagining the third choice somewhere in thereabouts.
1: So I, I think I think you're gonna get double digits, Matt. To be really? honest, I think I, I really do because you know you know the horses are gonna bet a lot. <laughs> yes, that's the horse I'm gonna talk about next. And I think on titles, gonna take a lot of money, and I think Why well, Are You awesome? gonna take a lot of money. Maybe not double digits. It's only eight horse field, but I think you're gonna get all of the price that you want there. And and George Arnold Arnold's very underrated trainer. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't have a huge table, but he usually shows up, and so I, I like that pick. And I love the post position in this kind of race. Uh, for right answer.
0: Who is uh, your second one?
1: Listen, I'm guessing the Mori line on number four, Arham. Um, I'm just going to guess Matt's going to be like two to one, nine to five, because people love seeing that big number. Got a 91 buyer first time out. Todd Fletcher is having a fantastic meet right now for Sayas. But here's the thing, and maybe you and I see it the same way. First of all, this horse is going to be, I think, a pretty significant favorite, number one. And how many times have we seen a talented horse just run off the screen first time out, getting a perfect trip, which is what he did. He ran very well, take nothing away. Perfect trip setting outside, but this field is like a grade one compared to what he field, to what he faced last time. There was only one really decent horse in the race. There was a the horse on the lead. He went by, no one closed. The four can absolutely win and I have to put him on the ticket, but I gotta say he would not be an A on ABC. He might not even be a B just to save money, but for the cases we're talking about, if this horse is going to be, you know, a future stakes star, which he might be, I'm going to put him on there. And But that doesn't mean he's going to win on Friday.
0: That's the same way that I approached it. Um, you know, you go through and you take a look at the tape of this one. It was a very, very soft pace that he was right up against. Not only did he take over, he drew off and won for fun. This is, you would imagine, going to be, I'm going to call it resistance- there's going to be much more resistance when he goes to make the move that he did in the maiden special weight race that he broke his maiden in so emphatically. There's going to be a heck of a lot more resistance from these salty older horses who have run multiple times, who aren't going to just completely cave at the first sign of adversity. Having said that, he is the horse with all the upside. And I get it. There are a couple horses in here who are relatively lightly raced. But if you're to believe what... It's, it's the dangerous piece. And I know some people hate the, the term the eye test. Because they believe that the horse is fast enough, great. If they're not fast enough, they're not fast enough. I think th- I think both can be true. And from the eye test, the horse could be anything. Now, you don't know until they actually get out there and they get into a tussle. But visually, uh, there's something to be said about a horse going six furlongs on dirt to get their third fraction, which would be an eighth of a mile, call it the fifth eighth, the five eighths, in 11 and four, And then the final eighth in 12-1 on dirt. And the first time out of the box, clearly this is a horse that it's taken a while to get to the races. A three-year-old debuting in the sort of very late stages of their three-year-old campaign is not usually a good thing. But I thought he looked fantastic. And I don't think he's a great win bet. I think you kind of want to use him, especially if you have any other prices and any of the other legs. But from a likely win standpoint, I, I think he's the most likely winner. Would you agree or disagree with that statement?
1: Actually, I really like Untitled. I think Untitled's is the most likely winner, only because of the inexperience. Now, listen, if Aram runs off the screen, I don't want people to say, Howard, you're, you, know, <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. And this horse might be the most talented horse in this race, Aram. But I'm just not sure Friday is the day for him to win. So I'm not taking anything away from the horse. Just It's all about situation. You know that, Matt. It's all totally. situational. Every race tells its own story. And this is going to be a really tough test for this horse.
0: So through three legs, we are four by two by three, which is nice. Now, granted, you could spread very, very deep in this final leg if you choose to. We're going to stick to the parameters that we had laid out before we started. We get four horses at most. Race 10, it is a maiden $20,000 claiming event going five-eighths on grass. I I would call this a, a dartboard race. Just grab your darts and throw because anything can happen. Having said that, I think there are some interesting horses that you can make cases for, and even if you don't necessarily believe in them as far as likely winners, and you need to use you know six, seven, or eight of them for a pick sequence, I think you might be able to bet some of these horses to win because they're going to have very, very appetizing odds. Who is the first horse you want to use in race ten?
1: By the way, I just want to throw out if you don't mind Matt, I like the five in the previous races a long <laughs> shot. Geraldine attack, If you can afford it, because I think Tyler's going to sit off the pace, and I think he's got a shot. Also, just okay. want to throw that in there. Uh, in the last race, Matt, I thought there's 12 horses in this race. I honestly can only toss out three of them. If I had the money and the right ticket, I would go nine pair. This, this is a crazy race. I've been in these situations before, as I'm sure you have and a lot of other handicappers. We get to the last race and it's, a, it's wide open and if it's five pro on turf. Sometimes I try to find like the sneaky horse. I want to take speed. Anyone who's got any kind of early speed, these horses just don't pass other horses. It's why they're in for this tag. So I have to go to what I think is the speed of the speed as my top number one choice. And that's the seven Mia Solomia. I want to make sure I pronounced that correctly. I watched the uh, replays. Um, this horse lost to a drop-down maiden special aid horse last time. So there's no shame in the horse that he lost to last time, um, who uh, coined, excuse me, uh, coined the phrase, I believe is the name of the horse. Anyway, Broke well, ran well. If the horse that he lost to last time was in this race, that horse would be like one to five. So I'm going to go with Saez. Hopefully he's the speed of the speed, just outbreaks everyone, wires the field, game over.
0: Mia Solomia was my second choice in here. So we, at most, are only going to get three. And who knows, maybe we only end up with two in this last leg for all the reasons you laid out. I really don't have much more to add. Mia Solomia, especially with Saez from the gate, who I think is as good as anyone as far as a gate rider is concerned, I think they're just going to go and hope second off the bench. Maybe this one can see out the distance this time around. I will give you, though, the top pick for me in this spot. And it is a little bit of kind of what you had alluded to, maybe trying to to squint to see something here but it also is a horse that has the intangible that you had laid out speed. I, my top pick is the three Sassy Cat. And I like the fact that this horse is turning back in distance after a, I don't want to call it a failed experiment, stretching out again to two turns, but showed big speed if you're a Timeform US user of their pace ratings. Uh, the blinkers come off. And you'll see that run two starts back against Maiden $35,000 claimers. From a speed figure standpoint, from a form standpoint, it really wasn't a great race, but there were still better horses than what she's going to run against here on Friday afternoon. If she can't make the front, I'm not terribly concerned about it because she did at least show in that run two back that she's willing to pass horses. She didn't get to the front, but she did pass a couple runners rounding that far turn. I'm hopeful that she actually takes up sort of that second position behind Mia Solomia, If for whatever reason, the seven can't see out the distance, I know that the five-eighths isn't a problem for Sassy Cat. And I think you're going to get a pretty good number on this filly. So the number three, Sassy Cat. she's my top pick in the nightcap. Who is the other horse you want to use? I'm going to go with
1: four, Winnipeg Wonder. Uh, This uh, son, Kyle, we mentioned him as a trainer. He's 20% off the claim mat. Um, I'm usually not a huge fan of turnbacks, but this horse has been showing a lot of speed going longer. So I think he could get a similar trip to what you're saying with Sassy Cat. Probably a little bit further back than Sassy Cat, probably mid-back. But he's got blinkers off. um, He's got Zayas on him. Second off the layoff for a 20% trainer off the claim. And I do like inside horses in general, going five furlongs on the turf. I understand they have to break, and the trip's got to work out. But if I had a choice between someone in the 3 or 4 slot or the 10 or 11 slot, I'll take the 4, Winnipeg Wonder my uh, next choice.
0: So here's the rundown. We actually, Howard, we did very well from a budget standpoint. I, I'm so I'm so happy about this because now I feel like people can freely add to it all they want. Absolutely. So they can't sit there and say that, you know, okay, oh, great, this ticket costs $500. Uh, four by two by three by three. It is the three, the five, the six, and the eight in the first leg, the one and the seven in the second leg, the one, the four, and the eight in the third leg, and the three, the four, and the seven in the nightcap. If you played that for 50 cents, that comes out to $36. You have the ability to spread deeper if you're someone with smaller pockets. This is something that could potentially fit within your realm, and guess what? If it's not, maybe you want a single that filly coming in for Larry Rivelli in that race that we're using one other horse, and all of a sudden, you get an $18 ticket. It's a beautiful thing. You chop it right down. I think we did quite well from a budget standpoint.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and there's other horse, like you said, I, sometimes in this sequence, the way the sequence is laid out, I almost rather just, you know, take my chances early and go thin, and then ho- hope to hit a big price in the last race. That's just the vibe I get. I thought the middle two legs could be a little more chalky, and the the first leg and the last leg are the ones you really want to spread if you're going to play a bigger ticket. Um, but it's a nice sequence, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. If if you hit it, I think you're going to get. I think you have a chance to get paid for sure.
0: And hopefully, again, one of these legs is included in the Stronic 5 on Friday with that uh, nearly $100,000 carryover. Uh, Howard Kravitz, the first three-time guest as far as the Friday feature is concerned. This week it was a little bit different. Next week it will be different as well because Spencer Lugenbuehl, we will have our joint podcast, and he will be doing the Friday feature. But if you want to be in Howard's position on a normal week, you leave your selection for the Friday feature beneath the video player on YouTube. If you're correct, I will contact you. Howard's been correct multiple times. I think even more than three times. You've just been unfortunate on some of the draws.
1: Yeah. And also, I want to say, man, I'm starting my own YouTube channel just for fun. Oh, good. Just type, yeah, just type in Howard Kravitz, K-R-A-V-E-T-S in the search column for YouTube. I'm going to uh, be handicapping pick fours and pick five videos on there just to have for fun. I've mentioned you and the show And in the money also is another place to go. So just to have some fun with that, I'd love for people to subscribe to my YouTube channel and uh, check it out.
0: Go check out Howard. You can tell that the man knows what he's talking about. He's been on here a million times. Now, granted, not that he being on this show means that he knows everything, but he's clearly picking winners left and right. So subscribe to his YouTube channel. And Howard, hopefully... Hopefully we have some success with this thing. And, and even if we don't hit it on our ticket, hopefully we've at least encouraged some other names or some other races, horses out there, I should say, that people will include in their place.
1: That'd be great. And again, th- thanks a lot for the <laughs> certificate. That was, that was really special, Matt. I'll cherish this for the rest of my life. Thanks a lot.
0: Hey, anytime. Ho- Howard Kravitz, be sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel. Good luck this week. Howard, we'll talk again soon.
1: Thanks. Good luck, everyone. Take care.
0: Thanks again to Howard Kravitz for helping out with this week's Friday feature, the late pick Four down at Gulfstream. Again, hopefully all of you enjoyed that segment. Thoughts, comments, whatever it may be, different ideas beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Let's wrap up episode 39, excuse me, episode 49 with an update of the $500 challenge. It has been a slow burn for the first episode couple weeks anyway, here of 2021 with this thing. Uh, Thus far, we are looking at 24 plays, only an 8% win rate, which is no good. But it is what it is. We're we're chugging along. The bankroll currently sits at $323.30 from the initial 500. Uh, So effectively, we have two victories thus far. One of them was a two to one shot. And then the other one was Brickyard Ride in the Cal Cup Sprint on Saturday evening at Santa Anita at just under 5 to 1. The horse is actually, I believe, 8 to 1 leading into the gates. And then, uh, you know, as is the case in horse racing, that late computer money just smashes your odds. So uh, I would have bet the horse anyway, but would have been much nicer if we had a bigger price on, on Brickyard Ride who went out there and won in gate-to-wire fashion. So 8% thus far for the win rate. $258 have been churned in the money. So half the horses are hitting the board. Uh, typically for me, the win rate is right around half of what the, uh, hitting the board rate is, um, maybe slightly less. So typically my numbers in that sort of 60 to 65% range with the in the money horses, uh, the winners are usually around 22%, 20 to 22% somewhere in there. So if, if everything sort of works as it should, Regression to the mean, sort of piece. Um, the The win rate should climb at some point. I would hope it does. Um, but then I thought about it too. I was worried about you know lack of plays and things like that. This isn't really a time sensitive challenge. The goal is already been stated. We're trying to get the ten thousand dollar churn. And it's not like there's there's been a, a date or a number set for when this thing has to finish. So uh, right now, for this week anyway, it's only going to be the things that you find on racingpicks.com. Those will be up Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I say that the, the little tweak to that will be, uh, if for whatever reason I don't write about one of the two Pegasus World Cup races, uh, on Saturday, because those races I will go over on NBC. So those will be involved. And if I end up using some other races underneath on the undercard, we may have more than three for that given day. We'll wait and see how things look as we get a little bit closer uh, to race day. So there you have it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to think if there was anything really noteworthy about some of these horses. And, you know, early on it was. A lot of, I would just say, unfortunate circumstances, some bad trips, some horses ran, just quite, weren't quite good enough. Past week, a lot of the horses didn't really run, which is, that's more frustrating than anything. When you, well, I shouldn't say that. I guess it can go either way. When they're running and they just don't quite get there, you say, you know what, at least at least I'm on live horses. When they don't run at all, you sit there and say, I'm, I, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta button my, button my tongue here a little bit, bite my tongue, just because anybody that knows me knows that I've, I got a, I got a mouth. Um, and I have to try to, try to censor it a little bit here. So, um, but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a slow burn here. Um, uh, but we'll we'll keep we'll keep trucking along. Again, three hundred twenty-three dollars thirty cents. We are far from in disaster territory. You know, we, we we get a little bit of get a couple winners here. All of a sudden, that thing is back up into that low four hundred range, and we have plenty of time to worry about getting to that ten k churn. So that's where things stand with the five hundred dollar challenge. Uh, if you're interested in getting involved, do your own little thing. Again, I think it's a really enlightening sort of exercise even when it's going like complete dog you know what just because it is what it is sometimes you're going to get lucky sometimes you're not and and you know i even thought about for a moment kind of changing up the what's the philosophy here should i be you know should i only go and start betting chalks oh by the way the average odds of these horses is 5.39 to one So if you're looking at it from a percentage standpoint, horses that go off at odds of five to one, they strike at roughly 17% of the time, leading my 8% strike rate with average odds of five to one to be piss poor. So, you know, we we got to double that up effectively to get back into respectable territory. But I, I did. I thought about, you know, I just start playing Chalks all the time. And I said, you know what? Screw that. That's not your MO. That's not why people who do listen to me listen to me for for advice and opinions favorites have a place and value is in the eye of the beholder if you think a horse should win 50% of the time and you're getting 3 to 1 odds or 2 to 1 odds you're getting great value that's a good bet i like to look for horses that might slip through the cracks and maybe they're not the likeliest winners but maybe they can outrun their odds. That is really what my end game is with this entire thing. And that's just my philosophy in general. Perhaps that came from coming through the tournament ranks where you needed really to kind of find and sniff those horses out to have any chance and those sort of things. Um, and some people look at it and say, that's you're not picking enough winners. That's fine, to each their own. But that's how I've gone about it and how I'll continue to go about it. I'm not gonna try to reinvent the wheel. You got a bad run of luck. It is what it is stuff happens. Hopefully we can pull ourselves out of it here starting this week. Uh, Thank you again to Howard Kravitz for coming along. Next Monday's show will be the 50th episode of the Matt Bernier show. It will be a crossover show along with the Red Board Rewind with Spencer Lugenbuehl. Really looking forward to that. Going over some Gulfstream Park stakes action along with the Friday feature. Next week's Friday feature, we'll go back to the normal piece where Spencer will be the guest if you want to get involved with that race, whatever it may be, leave your selection beneath the video player. I'll contact you if you're right. You will be the guest the following Monday for the Friday feature. So uh, plenty of good things going on there. Uh, looking forward to some more fun things on the horizon. I think we're going to do some things with ABR again. Uh, a couple of derby preps. So maybe we'll be doing some shows there. Keep an eye out for that. Um, number of good things going on. Really looking forward to getting down to Gulfstream again this weekend. NBC at 4.30 Eastern. We have the Pegasus World Cup turf along with the Pegasus World Cup dirt. So, we'll see what happens. They look like competitive races and as a gambler, as a fan, what else could you ask for? I think it's going to be a fun weekend down there. Uh and hopefully if it's not me, hopefully it is some of you that can strike and I don't want maybe you don't get rich, but maybe you you make a nice little score on Friday afternoon whether it's in the Gulfstream Pick 4 uh, or it's the Stronic 5 with that giant carryover. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. As usual, comments, questions, suggestions, whatever it may be, beneath the video player on YouTube or directly to me on Twitter. Until next week with episode 50. This has been episode 49 of the Matt Bernier Show. Good luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play.